0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. Let's get right into it. We're here with Adam Gillis, founder and CEO, yeah, I didn't introduce you. <laughs> Everybody knows you're here. Like, I don't have anything else waiting yeah, to I, say. I feel
1: like the introducing me part gets played out sometimes. It's like, yeah, no shit, Collins here. Yeah, like, big,
0: <laughs> big surprise. Anyways, yeah, we're here with uh, Adam Gillis, founder and CEO of Hitched. What's up, man?
2: What's up, man? How's it going?
0: It's going. It's going, man. Glad to have you here. It. How are you doing today?
2: Hey, man, living the dream. Living the dream. One day at a time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you came in. You came in town today, huh? You're yeah, from, this morning from Bernie. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you don't Bernie. know Bernie. Yeah, Bernie.
0: I mean, like a town of like 3,000 people or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude, right out of San Antonio. Yeah. Right.
0: It's got more people than that, doesn't it?
2: Is it uh, more? Than,
0: it's not that small. It's I mean, probably it's like it's probably 15, maybe. It's, a, it's a, just a
1: suburb of San Antonio. Yeah. It's a nice area. I like it there. Maybe well, other than a while. Then you also got a house in Midland, too, right? Yep.
2: Yep. And Yep. That's where I spend more time there than I ever do in Bernie, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah, Bernie's a little bit nicer of a place than Midland, yeah. so. well.
2: <laughs> that's where the money's made in Midland, man. Yep, so that's right. That's what I, I tell mean,
1: everyone, man. Just gotta go there. That's where the money's at. So tell us a little bit about Hits and what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah, man. So uh, I mean Hits is like the Airbnb for industrial equipment rentals, essentially. You know, it's we, we don't own any equipment, right? We don't we're not gonna buy any equipment. Mm-hmm. Or essentially the matchmaking service for the rental company, putting the right equipment with the right operators. Awesome. I mean, it's a it's a simple concept. I mean, there's not there's not a ton to it. Yeah, you know, we we sign up service and rental companies as well as end users on the platform, and we put two and two together.
1: So when you say that you're you know, an Airbnb of the oil field, what that equates to is that you guys are a marketplace. You're connecting, in this instance, equipment to buyers or renters, and you're providing that platform.
2: For yeah, those exactly, people. man. We're, we are a marketplace, a true marketplace, offering essentially on-demand rental.
0: Very cool. Very cool. What kind of equipment are you guys running on average?
2: You know, your standard oil and gas stuff, I mean, light plants, generators, frack tanks, backhoes, excavators, a lot of generators, things of that sort, you know, but just your right now at this stage in the game, you know, we're, we're looking to move into some more specialized stuff down the road, but right now it's, I mean, it's your standard, like I said, light towers and generators and and all the stuff you see on the completion, production, drilling sites.
1: Yep, absolutely. So. Yeah, you say the Airbnb of oil film makes me think it's like shit. There should be an Airbnb for like man camps and like in <laughs> trailer rentals. You know, there should be a marketplace. You for sure, that. dude. You like a extra bunk
2: for sure, and like the, <laughs> the man camp thing specifically, dude. Like it's so hard to get that shit booked out. And it is in right. Midland, yeah, dude. There's not. Nobody.
1: There's not an easy way just to go and, and book out oh. a place to stay. So if you're listening you're looking for your next startup idea, you're welcome. Just am out here just feeding <laughs> gold to the people. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam. Uh, you know, we talked on the phone uh, a few months back, and I was really interested in your story because you actually come from the field perspective, right?
2: Yeah, man. So, I, I mean, I've been in service, my professional career in the oil and gas service business, done several different things, you know, but all my experience comes in, in the service business. You know, I went to school, Played football at Tarleton in Stephenville, yep, and then, you know, instead of getting a regular job, riding my buddies were working in oil and gas. And I said, "Shit, man! Like this makes sense," you know. Or are
1: you from uh, Stephenville?
2: No, so or? I grew up in Harlingen, down in the valley. Okay. And then after college, I moved to San Antonio area. Okay. There, but you know, essentially, it just made sense, and guys were making a bunch more money than the, you know, the the bankers and and all those things. So. I went that direction, and I've been there been there since, and so...
1: Yeah, I feel like I was a bad influence on some of my friends. I had friends graduating from, like, A&M, you know, getting their undergrad completed, and they're like, man, how much money are you making? And I was, you know, out on rigs, running wire line, you know, making six figures, and they're like, holy shit, I'm getting in the oil field. And I tried warning them not to. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a tough life, so... um, Once you're in, you're always in, man. You can't ever get out. That's That's the deal. You get sucked into it, so what was your first job coming out of college into the oil business what did you get
2: into yeah man so i started running you know growing up around you know farm equipment and things of that sort so i started running a backhoe for a construction company down the eagleford was a was the first job i ever had man so we're just you know building pad sites and all that said
1: that was oil construction building pad sites roads i mean
2: all the all the standard stuff reserve pits i mean all the all the standard standard yeah what year what, what, what year was that that so that was started. in 2008. Okay.
1: Was, so that was you know kind of in the middle of, of that 08 downturn.
2: Yeah. There was still some work, you know, yeah. down in the Eagleford, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like during the boom days anyways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you saw, you know, kind of firsthand equipment rentals. Is that kind of the, the arena that you stayed in your entire time was in the
2: construction side? No, well, so no, I mean, I went from construction, we had a little, I started a little roustabout company in South Texas. We're doing general labor, you know, just the typical painting production tanks and Mm -hmm. this is work nobody wants to do, you know. (laughs) We are doing that, and then I got in the water business, working for a company doing water transfer. So, you're in the
1: water business, water transfer. That's funny. I always talk a lot of shit about water transfer guys, because my time spent out on frat jobs, you know, is always water transfer guys falling asleep, watching movies, yeah, flood location. Like
2: that's, that's like the whipping boy of the whole field. It's water transfer, dude. When shit goes wrong, dude. It's water transfer. It's, it's water transfer, yeah. Every time.
1: <laughs> it always works down the ladder to the water transfer yeah, guys for somehow. Sure. So you know, how did you kind of, you know, coming into Hitch, how did you go from service, service-based, you know, being a handout in the field to seeing a need? You know, let's talk about that first. You know, you had a firsthand perspective of what the equipment rental space was like. How did you ad- identify that there was a need in this market?
2: Yeah, man. So we were like in the water treatment business and we were like more of a product company, right? We offer this product, right? Water treatment product. But all the ancillary equipment and stuff, we need to like rig up jobs. You know we rented all of that right and so we paid like two guys that are making like 80k a year they sit upstairs and they're just dialing all day and just dialing dialing hey man you got six frack tanks oh, i got three then they call the next vendor and the next vendor and the next vendor right and after five six vendors right there's no more on your vendors list so now you're on linkedin like hey 911 i need this like three hours ago anybody got these tanks and then Oh, I need generators and this and that, and so I was like, "Man, there has to be a better way to actually execute this, right?" Because really, the problem is not supply. I mean, it's not supply or demand, right? There's demand and there's plenty of supply. The problem is getting those two together, right? It's fragmented, massively fragmented on both sides of the both sides of the fence.
0: <laughs> I think what a lot of people don't realize is like, so for for our assets, whenever we bought them up in. I mean, it's, it's right outside of Tulsa, right outside of Drumright, uh, to find anybody to do any kind of work or to find any equipment, it was through word of mouth. These guys aren't listed anywhere. Yeah, You know, you can't Google them. You can't find any of this information. So it was through the pumpers and through just people that we've met in town. And I think about my experience with Inventure. You know, I covered the Western Hemisphere,
1: running expandable casing jobs, and so you know, I didn't have a Rolodex of, you know, I wasn't just in the Permian or the Eagleford. You know, I was up in the Bakken or the North Slope or out Deepwater Gulf of Mexico. And so anytime I was lining up a job, you know, I'd have to source a list of casing crews that we'd used in that area. And then I'd have to call each casing crew and be like, hey, do you have, uh, you know, non-penetrating dyes? Do you have this equipment, this equipment? And, and I could easily spend two days just sourcing equipment and, you know, yeah. You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a cheap salary, you know, and that was the bulk of my job was just sourcing equipment for jobs. And so I'd always thought about that. Like there's gotta be a better way to, you know, and I think a lot of people in the past have tried to attack this problem, but they build directories. That's all they did was build directories. And so, oh, if you need a a rust about, you know, in in this, you know, Howard County, you have these rust about companies, but that's very just kind of rudimentary. It's not an actual marketplace or a platform because you
0: still don't you do. know what they have you don't know like how what they have in stock you don't know if it meets your specs yeah exactly like, the location different yards and all those ones are directories you know i've seen there's been lots of people
1: in that space that have yeah. trying to build it and failed so
2: and i mean the directory deal is one thing right but with no action right with no way to actionably do anything on a directory right it really does it doesn't do anybody any good right you're still mm-hmm. you're back to square one you're on the phone you're calling you're do, you're doing that whole thing right and it doesn't do you any good
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you still got to pick up the phone. You still got to call these guys, even if you have a directory, right? And and
2: everybody's so used to today in the B2C world, right? Everybody's so used to, like, ordering their groceries or Grubhub or whatever. Like, it's second nature, especially for, like, the millennial generation and younger. You know, and so the question I always ask, you know, when we go to sales meetings and stuff, like, well, do you use, like, H-E-B grocery delivery? Well, yeah, like, once a week. yeah. Well, then why in the hell wouldn't you... Rent your equipment off of here, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same concept. One click, boom, it's headed to your location. I mean, get with the program. You yeah,
1: know? absolutely. I mean, you just look at you know, peer-to-peer marketplaces
0: as a whole, whether it's an Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, Uber Eats, or anything like that. It's a great thing because what it's done is it's conditioned us. It's conditioned the market in our personal lives, and now… You know, obviously the oil field's always been, you know, a little bit late to, to kind of adopt. But now that, you know, using the Airbnb and the Ubers and the Lyfts and the Instacarts and the, you know, all of that, I think it's going to help so much, especially with the younger generation coming in, to kind of to drive that, I guess, more innovative solutions for, for problems like this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's, you know, you can kind of credit big tech, Silicon Valley type tech to conditioning the market in the in the consumer world. That way, um,
0: we're already used to those types of concepts. And, and we were like talking about this yesterday. Person. Like, I mean, when Airbnb and Uber first came out, I was just like, "Man, I don't want to ride in somebody's car. <laughs> I don't want to stay in somebody's house." it's <laughs> just strange. And now I don't give. I don't. I lift all the time. I don't think twice about it. You ever, I stay in Airbnbs all the time. Have you ever seen?
1: Have you ever seen that meme online that's like our parents taught us not to talk to strangers online or get yeah, in the car sure. with strangers, and now we summon strangers <laughs> off the internet to pick us up in their car? <laughs> so it's a pretty good representation of what technology and marketplaces have done as a cultural shift to get us used to new ways of doing things so on the hitch platform you guys launched this pretty recently right
2: yeah so we went the apps went live on april 15th
1: okay cool and you know there's there's a lot of things that can be done i think we talked on the phone about this but from the rental company's perspective you know say that you got let's just talk about gin plants. For example, you know, you've got 10 gin plants out here and they're kind of sitting, you know, maybe they're sitting stagnant in the yard or you have some, you know, at at different locations. I, I would see that you'd start to be able to get some data and insights to increase efficiency across your assets. Wouldn't you, you know, as far as rental times?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things, I mean, the data collection is as important as anything we're doing, right. And being able to go back to companies and say, Hey man, like, this wasn't running, and this was 80% utilized. Right. And, and, you know, the future of the business we see is, you know, making CapEx recommendations, right. And be able to have real data on what actually went out. Right. Cause mm-hmm. now it's all in a spreadsheet. Right. And we know this piece of equipment was running for, you know, eight days and this piece of equipment was running for 25 days in the month or whatever, but there's no way to it's not actionable again right yeah. there's nothing to do so providing that data right and also providing data to companies you know we're we're putting together a little deal like they do on Nextcar right and it says you know on this side of the spectrum you know on the low end people are paying this on the high end, people paid this, but we think um, right here, you know, that's a recommendation for price on a daily or monthly rental, right? If, you, if you're yeah, looking to get it out. I think
1: having, you know, that insight on those utilization rates is key because you think about it, you know, say that you have seven units out running in the field and you think like, man, it may be time to get an eighth unit. You know, that's a big cost of capital to get a new piece of equipment. And if you're Especially utilizing during a downturn, you see
0: just yards full of just equipment
1: not being rented out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if your utilization rates maybe aren't as high as you think they are, you know, you could look at the data and be like, oh, you know, if we get another piece of equipment, it's only going to be utilized 10%. You know, our payout on that one particular asset's going to be a long time. So it may not be the right
0: time to. No. So I can see that. I think another value add would, in theory, I mean, if you have one piece of equipment that's, you know, done 25 hours in the last week and one's done eight you could kind of use that information for like preventative maintenance. I mean, this is all mechanical stuff that has to be maintained, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think where, I mean, this is just a, this is my opinion, but I think where the rental market's going is people are going to start paying for utilization of equipment versus, I mean, if I'm just being real, dude, there's a lot of fat in the rental business, right? Mm -hmm. They bring a piece of equipment out, you know, it sits for two days and then they call and take it off rent and it doesn't get picked up for another two days. And, and, and really the issue is the guy comes in at the end of the month, the company man, he's got 47 company or he's got 47, you know, field tickets and essentially they don't know, you know, what was rented, what wasn't rented, right? You can't keep track of that. No, no way.
1: I mean, I know that like, you know, on our rentals list, you know, we charge, Rentals for subs, high pressure hoses, all this type of shit. And like the high pressure hose was utilized for maybe two hours of the job, but it, we charge four days for it. Right. So, you know, the rentals are where you make your money at and some of the uh, accessory products when you're running installations like that. So, yeah.
2: And the one, I mean, the one thing on the management side, on the analytics and management side of HITS, right? They can see buy. So there's a job site function. They go and create a job site. Right. They can assign an AFE to that job site. Right. And then as they rent the equipment, they drag and drop it to that job site. So on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever, they can see how much they're they're spending on that particular job site. If they want to move equipment that's on rent to another job site, all they got to do is drag and drop to the next job site, Mm -hmm. essentially. Right. And so there's visibility. Right. And then when the rentals are start and stop it's all done within the platform, right? And so there's not 2 or 3 days lag time. Is that like
1: interactive map? Like would they be able to see the locations on the map like where you could drag a piece of equipment to another one or is it yep. just Absolutely. On a list? That's yeah. exactly how it works. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I got to ask you, you know, I'm assuming that you're not the one that developed this software.
2: You you can probably tell by by you telling me you didn't sit behind a
1: computer and code this yourself. (laughs) No, man. No. So how how did you guys go about um, doing this? I know you have a co-founder too. You know, I don't know what his technical expertise is or background, but be interested to hear about how you guys went about making this.
2: Yeah, man. So we started out, we kind of just threw a, threw a game plan together, you know, and said, Hey, that we think this is what will work, you know, and then we just, I mean, we went out and we ended up partnering with a software company called OutCode okay. that did. And so we did all the wireframes and kind of the flow maps and everything. And and the, the crazy thing is, man, there's a lot of like nuances in the rental business, right? You can't just stick something up there that says, oh, put a listing up and, you know, take it down or rent or whatever. I mean, there's. That's there. everything
0: in the whole business.
2: It is, dude, yeah. and like I mean, the bill back and billing for fuel once equipment's returned and damage on equipment. There's a lot of like little subtle things that will cause people not to use it, you know. And mm-hmm. so we we partnered with Outcode to develop to actually develop the technology, and then cool. ended up we brought the CEO of Outcode on as our chief technology officer. Oh, that's very awesome. cool. So, so through, where is it? Where, where is Outcode based? They're that based is? in Salt Lake City. In Salt Lake City. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome.
1: So that's. A good, you know, I think about the field hands that are out there listening, you know, there's field hands, engineers, geologists, landmen that all have an idea, but it's always a challenge. You know, if you're building digital tech and you don't have that technical experience or skill set to build software, so people are out there are looking for those solutions. And so that's really, you know, how did you kind of get in, in touch with this group? You know, was it as simple as a Google search and then having conversations with them or?
2: How Man, you- honestly, when we were trying to raise our seed round of funding, we met with a couple of VCs up in that area and we were at the time, it was just an idea, you know? And so
1: let's talk about this whole fucking process. Cause I I find this interesting cause so you talked to some VCs up in the Salt Lake city area. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I'm just picturing this, the field hand from, you know, west texas permian you know going to meeting with venture capitalists up in salt lake city and a lot of you know it's hard to get a hold of those types of guys sometimes especially for a early stage oil field product so you know when it's just an idea to even get a conversations with those guys can be hard so let's talk about this entire process i want to hear about it
2: yeah dude so we just started like emailing everybody we could dude and like calling people and like Hey man, we got this deal. It's going to make, it's going to change the industry. And everybody's like, no, it's not, it's not going (laughs) to, it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. And like, no, really. Right. And, and honestly, it was just persistence. Yeah. We met, we met with 30, 30 venture capital firms and got 30 no's right off the bat. Nice. Like you guys, like don't know what you're doing. (laughs) What you're saying is not real. Like, there's no way the market's this big. The other hard part was, like, being, you know, we started in Salt Lake. Lance is from Salt Lake, and mm-hmm. he had a couple of connections up there. But those guys don't understand this industry. Like, not, you know, they're used to, like, investing in.
1: Exactly. That's why That's why I think it's interesting that you guys found venture capital up there because, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard enough to convince someone you know, pre-MVP that you've got a solid idea, but much more difficult it's when it's
0: people here in Houston.
1: Yeah. Someone, someone outside of the industry that doesn't understand the industry fully. Yeah. Uh, I find that pretty fascinating.
2: Yeah. And so basically we, I mean, we got no, 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 no. I mean, constant no's right. And I was like, shit, man, we got to get a better deck. Dude, our deck looks Mickey Mouse. Dude, we got to like, <laughs> we got to like shine up our deck. We got to do something cool. And so we got our deck, you know, kind of ironed out. And then, you know, people started to listen, but it was still no, And so Lance and I made a decision about two months into that, like, dude, let's just fund this shit as much as we can out of our own pocket, dude. And like, if people see that, I mean, I can understand why people don't want to get in if you're not in right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the founders of the company, right. So we started pouring the cash to it, man.
1: Having skin in the game makes a world of a difference.
2: Yeah, man. So we just started pouring cash into it and did some, made some financial decisions that were pretty risky on our behalf, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, You know we're we're here today, not out of the woods yet, but yeah, you know, I mean, a little bit
1: further down the road, sure, that's awesome. So you know how how things been going uh, since the launch in April? Are you guys are you guys focusing on one field right now? You know, in particular the the Permian, or is it something that you're kind of launching across all all?
2: Yeah, man. So being at the stage we're at, we're we're focused in the Permian. That's where ninety five percent of our contacts are. You know, we Mm -hmm. expect sometime by the end of the year to start expanding into some other some other basins but yeah i mean the permians it's smart permians are bread and butter right now you know and there's quite a bit of action out there and so kind of where we we launched the apps april 15th we had some you know pre-contract type stuff already signed up and so one of the biggest fears we had man was or like organic signups and people getting on the platform and then not being able to find what they need, mm-hmm. you know, and so I get on once and like, Hey, I need a backhoe. Well, they don't have any backhoes. The chance of that person coming back is not, I mean, Slam. it's not good, dude. And so we drove the first, I mean, really and truly the first 60 days hard of getting something of everything as far as general rentals go, right? Like we don't we don't have downhole tools and things on like the specialized stuff on yeah. there right now. Yeah. But getting kind of every corner of the rental market, right? So people that got on there, they could find, you know, what they were looking for.
1: That's the hard part. You know, when you're building a marketplace, you have to build both sides of the marketplace. You have to have the renters and the equipment providers. And just like you said, you get someone that's on there looking for a backhoe, they get on there and like and this platform doesn't have anything on it, there's no backos. chances are they're not coming back. It's so super hard to you get just started. lost. You just lost that, that customer that you acquired for the platform. And then at the same time, you know, on the equipment providers, you're saying, hey, put your equipment up on here, have faith in our platform. And then if there's no buyers or renters on it, that becomes a problem too. So you're having to become a market maker and make sure that you're getting activity on both sides. And that's sure. difficult for sure.
2: Yeah. And so fast forward to today, I mean it's only another month after the, you know, sixty days we push. I mean, we have rentals taking place every day. Equipment being delivered to locations every day.
1: So can these transactions happen end to end on your platform as far as payment and everything, or are you just right now connecting the, the rear end?
2: No, so it's end to end. The payment, the entire transaction, right? Obviously we only take a percentage of the total yeah. The total rental, but yeah. Start to finish it happens, they're paid in. We we pay our vendors. Very you know, cool. the, the rental companies, the payment to them comes from us.
1: What do you guys use? You know, payment processing seems to be an issue sometimes on online platforms. Have you guys ran into any issues with that yet? Or are the commercial payment processors been decent for you guys?
2: You know, we we elected to use, even though it was kind of even more expensive on our end, we we decided to use Stripe. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying stripes foolproof, but it's, it's pretty efficient. It's pretty good. And yeah. so essentially on that end, we haven't, we could go set our percentages and, and whatnot. And it really hasn't been an issue. What yeah. we are going to do going forward is we're going to, we're going to obviously switch that. Mm-hmm. you know to see if we can obviously save some money yeah you know yeah stripe is not is not cheap it's not, the Stripe's so, not no. cheap
1: and they're not easy to work with sometimes either we've had issues with stripe withholding money for our business and it a was, month and a half yeah it was a pain and really there's yeah. the response rates from their customer service you know you'll email them and they'll email three days later and so i was i was just curious because i'm interested in marketplaces and these transactions that happen in the oil and gas industry but having that end-to-end payment system is crucial to really getting it, you know, up and rolling. And it just seems like some of the payment processors are
0: not the easiest to work with. There's another one that we looked at that partnered with BBVA. Was it like First Data Alliance or something? Or yeah, I, I can't something. remember
1: what their what their name is. There's a yeah. few of them, but, you know, don't get me started on cryptocurrency alleviating <laughs> all, this, all these problems in the future. But so <laughs> anyways, you guys right now are doing kind of like dummy equipment, you know, quote unquote, you know, your generators, frack tanks, stuff like that. Do you think that this will ever become a platform for like a wireline truck or some more specialized equipment or downhole?
2: um, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's the, that's the vision for the business, right? To integrate, you know, we're, we're renting equipment today. Next week we're launching the, the actual sales side and it's not sales like used bulldozers, right? It's like commodity sales, like chemicals and, have an on-demand part rental like valves cool. and clamps and things like that yeah so and then the service piece yeah and so so really the vision is yeah you a wireline truck costs x amount a day and then you can add a crew to it right that costs X amount an hour per hand or whatever whatever the case is mm-hmm. right and so that's you know that's that's where we're headed with it right yeah. we're not we're not interested in just staying in the rental you know the rental business. Yeah, absolutely. want to expand because there's there's so much inefficiency out there today. I mean, you guys know, man. There's so much wasted money and wasted time and all these things. And the facts are, the younger generation, the the millennial generation, or the up and comers, right, working for these oil and gas operators, right. And, and if they have, you know, if they have technology, they can they can make their life simpler. They will.
1: Yeah, man, it's such a pain, especially like if you're in a drilling operation or. Even, I mean, any production or completion operation, but say that you're getting ready to make up your BHA to run in downhole, and someone brought a wrong crossover and then you're shut down for three hours making phone calls, you know, the company man and and your fishing hand or whoever's out there on the phones trying to find and locate a part. It'd be so much better if you just had a platform. You can go on and be like, oh, here's our 2-3-8 by 2-7-8 crossover that we need. Click a button, pay for it, get it shipped out and then you just got to wait on it instead of
0: do know. they have do they have like runners like just run stuff from oh, yeah. like part suppliers and stuff yeah yeah
1: you got that's a real thing hot, hot shots are a big business out, out in the field hot but.
2: shots but you know one here in in another 30 days we're integrating the delivery piece right and basically mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're taking take guys in pickups right and everybody in midland drives trucks mm mm-hmm. mhm and they're going to be doing the delivery, right? Because the liability is no different than Instacart or anything else, right? And so it'll be… So you can make so, everybody in Midland
0: a hot shot if you want so to. That's yeah.
2: exactly right. So everybody has a pickup Damn. because what you see all the time dude, is like a 40-foot trailer with like a two-foot box on it, right? <laughs> it happens like, all the time. <laughs> it's like 300 bucks an hour, you know, 90 yeah. bucks an hour or whatever the case is, right? And so… We're gonna take. We're gonna sign up drivers that have pickups that, when they're not working their, you know, their regular job or whatever, they can run parts and things like that. And no, so, I would do that. Yeah, and you- so basically, what happens? You buy your part, and then you click, you click the delivery button, right, and you heads your way. I mean, just like Uber, or anything else.
1: Dude, so this is what you need to do, man. That's you guys, awesome. You guys need to par- partner up with Uber Eats. That way, you can get parts delivered and lunch for the rig delivered at the Ooh, same time. There it is, dude. There we go. That's man. a ticket, man. I'm telling you, man. I'm just giving out gold That's today. That's why you missed the big bugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. This is a. Uh, this is all really, really interesting. You know, when you guys are taking this out to the market. Obviously we, we talked about having to build both sides of the marketplace. Who are you guys like really focusing your attention on right now? Is it the, the EMP side that's uh, doing the rentals? Is it the service companies that have the rentals that you're really trying to get their equipment onboarded? You know, it seems like you, you obviously you have to play both sides, but
2: where's y'all's attention? Yeah, at? so the, the dynamic in, in the Permian anyway is really interesting. What you have is a lot of the rentals are service to service company. Okay, so, there's rentals that go service to EMP operators as well. And there's a lot of those, but a lot of these service companies, they may have four frac tanks in their yard, and their customer, right, who's an EMP operator, may need eight, right? And so, there's a lot of rentals that go on to fulfill those those needs as well. And so, mm-hmm. our concentration right now is driving. So, we have right at 10,000 pieces of equipment available for rent today. Wow. on the platform and so our our concentration right now is to create more utilization for the assets that are on the platform right and and mm-hmm. drive more rentals so i mean that comes with emp operators and and service companies really and really today what we're seeing is about 60 40 so service companies renting almost 60 percent of it and operators are 40 okay
1: you know i, I think about You know, 10,000 pieces of equipment, one, that's a lot. And I'm just thinking about like the onboarding process and I have questions, you know, say that there's someone out there listening, they own a bunch of rack tanks and they want to put them on your platform. What does y'all's onboarding process look like? Are you guys... Doing that yourself, or does someone, you know, they come on, sign up for an account, and they just start spamming the the boards with their equipment, uploading their own pictures, descriptions, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Yeah, so we've got a team that, that uploads the equipment, okay? And so it's not, it's not as individualized as you may think, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have 150, 500-barrel round-bottom frac tanks, okay, for instance, those would all go into one listing, Okay. And we have an inventory system that's built in as the equipment goes out, right? It takes it off the inventory. And as it comes back off rent, it puts it back in the inventory. So you're not putting 150 yeah. individual frack tanks on there, right? Same so picture for all of them. Yeah. And so what you <laughs> see is a lot. Some of, of it, them look
1: different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I ordered a red frack tank. I got a blue one. <laughs> yeah.
2: And what you see is a lot of these, most of the rental companies, anyways, they have a lot of the same types of equipment, right? Mm-hmm. 40, 125 KVA generators or 200 frac tanks or or, you know 35 akw light towers essentially right and yeah. so those listings will be listed by obviously by company but whatever their inventory is got you
1: how does that work with the rental companies you know you have an inventory count but say that you know they had 50 pieces of equipment listed on your platform and it showed that you had 50 pieces in the inventory but then one of their salesmen sold you know two pieces of equipment out of the yard do they go in and update that on the platform so that that's a real-time inventory because they only have 48 pieces sitting there, but your platform shows 50 because the transaction didn't happen on your platform?
2: Yeah, so they they do – our people update. We get a weekly update spreadsheet to put into the system. But one way – that that was a real live issue. Mm-hmm. And one way we we kind of mitigated that is when the rental comes through, right, they're going to get a banner notification on their phone say, hey, this has been – or seven of these have been rented, right? they have the ability at that point to accept or decline that rental. Okay. Okay. So if that equipment's not available, they can decline that rental. If they decline that rental, whoever's trying to rent that piece of equipment will send them back to the marketplace and give them other options of that same piece of equipment, right? And so in an instance, what we're learning though is like if they have 50 light towers, typically nobody's going to come rent 50 light towers in one whack, right? So the chance of them having like three or four available or whatever is – Today, 100%, mm-hmm. right? And so that's how we've kind of mitigated that. Once we get further down the road and get some of this geo tracking integrated and things like that with some geofences around yards and, and oil and gas locations, we'll know, you know, we'll have a better view of kind of what, oh, you be, know, where that equipment is. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah, where the equipment is and, and when, you know, when it crosses this geofence that pings back into inventory, in and so out. on yeah. and so forth, dude. So wow. we're, we're looking into those things as well
1: being super high tech. You don't even that's have to update a you know. report, yeah. Just geofence it and it can ping in and out yeah. as it as it leaves. And well it sounds like you guys are, you know, on on the right track. Are y'all y'all are doing a another round of uh funding too,
2: correct? Yeah, so we're in the middle of raising our series A cool. Right now, awesome. I expect in the next sixty days. Okay. We'll have that close. We've got got a company that's that's gonna lead the round for us, which Very is good. great.
1: Awesome. We got a lot of investors that listen to the podcast. So, if you're out there listening, just hit up my man Adam. I'm sure I'll get you hooked up. I've seen your deck. Your deck looks good. It's definitely not making sense us anymore. <laughs>
2: cool. No, for sure, dude. I'll, I'll send you our most recent one, man. We just we just redid our whole deck for our for our series A. So it's like probably five times as good as the one you you yeah. have. I'll send okay. you the most awesome. recent one, dude. You setting awesome. the
0: bar
1: high. <laughs> so. What are some goals for you guys to close the year out? You know, we're, we're halfway through 2019. If you guys are, you know, fresh fresh in the game, a few months into it, what are you looking to do to close the year out?
2: Yeah, man. So, I mean, short-term goals, get our Series A round closed, grow our team, you know. You know, we've got, what, nine people today. Continue to grow our team. Speaking of that,
1: where, where are most of the team based at? Are they Mid- in Midland? Midland?
2: Everybody's okay. in Midland. Okay, awesome. Except for Lance. I mean, I'm in Essentially I'm in Midland, but, yeah. and Lance is down, Lance is down every other week, but everybody else is in Midland. Okay. So. so find the team in Midland. So continue to grow, you know, our sales team really ramp our marketing up, you mm-hmm. know, it's and, that, you
1: guys got good content. Your well, content looks good. man. It, it stands <laughs> out. It's very, uh, you know, in, in an industry full of just stagnant and stale content and else, else looks good. Cool. And we're actually talking about this a little bit earlier on the, on the videos. You're starting to get heavier into the, the video content as well.
2: Yeah man. I mean I like I said I'm not not used to doing that sort of thing but it's getting easier every time right as long as somebody's not in the room like just watching me it. film myself dude I'm good dude I'm it's 100% still, yeah you know? it
1: takes a long time not to be awkward when someone's watching you I think I'm finally to that point where I can I can pull up my video camera you know in a public place and take a video but you know we we're talking earlier about my first videos that I ever tried making several years ago it was just like 50 renditions of me trying to say the same thing I was like, God, this sounds so stupid. Or what am I doing with my face? I, you know, you like critique every little thing. And now I've, I've just I've learned just to pull out my phone camera, and if I want to take a video, I just.
2: And the crazy thing is, dude, when you start reading the like, like I told you guys, the first one I did, dude, I recorded probably like. 30, 40 times. Right. And the problem is you get worse every time. Right. Just like golf, right. When you get up there thinking about how far you're going to hit your drive, dude, you hit it in the freaking weeds. When you just get up there and (laughs) swing the club, you hit it straight. Right. You just
1: got to go out there and do it. That's it,
2: dude. Just swing, swing the
1: bat. Right. That's good, man. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. I think that that can make a massive impact, especially in oil and gas. LinkedIn is such an undervalued and underutilized asset for startups. And I think that the startups that are going to do really well in the space are the ones that have, team that aren't afraid to put out content or get on the video camera and just document the journey because I think that's very important to tell the story.
2: Yeah, for sure. But I mean, really for the end of the year, man, we're, we're trying to grow the business. We're getting, we're getting our sale platform launched. Like I said, this week, integrating our delivery, uh, for on-demand parts, chemical rentals, things of that sort. And then really creating more utilization for the assets that are on the platform, and so Very cool. you know we're we're going to close out our Series A, and then kind of look at the future and see how far down the road our keep B really forward. is, and yeah. just keep just keep trucking, man. Awesome,
1: man. So if anyone's listening and they want to reach out to you guys, where can they find you? Is
0: uh, what's your website?
2: So it's a Hitched App
0: app. dot com. dot was was okay. hitch.com dot com taken was it like a dating app or something.
2: Yeah, dude. So <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you can check that let's, out, let's, dude. Let
1: let's this, yeah, you go on the if you go on the app store and try to download hitch, you're telling us that it used to pull up a bunch of dating apps. <laughs>
2: yeah, dude. So now we're finally at the top of that list, dude. Just because I think download volume or whatever, but. Yeah. Well, yeah well, initially it was like find your spouse here find man, your that, that's, whatever the, that's here. the next
1: idea if I can get a light tower and a girlfriend on the same platform then and I'll some just, Uber
2: Eats dude, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, on, dude. <laughs> that's life taken care of right there the company man can never say no to that <laughs> yeah, shit right <laughs>
1: <laughs> alright man so if anyone's listening they can get you on uh, com or find you on LinkedIn I'm sure Hitch yep. has a has We've a page or a
2: page on LinkedIn yeah, and then, or
1: they find you personally on there too
2: yep absolutely awesome, Um and then Google Play Store and iOS store for downloading the app app.
1: awesome well I appreciate Um, you coming on the show man and telling us about it we're excited to see where it goes cool man thank you guys a
2: bunch man it's been awesome
0: thank you of course alright guys if you enjoyed the episode please take two seconds leave us a uh, quick rating or review all 30,000 of you by the way thanks so much for all you guys who have supported the show it's absolutely mind-blowing we started this probably 9-10 months ago and we're already at 30,000 people who listen to the show so